This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. And just like that, we're back, folks. American Toffee Podcast coming to you. It is Wednesday, June 19th. After a brief hiatus while I was on vacation uh, gallivanting across Europe, I spent a little bit of time in Italy, in Milan, got to see the San Siro, which was extremely cool. Hopped on over to Rome, hopped on a boat to France for a few days. I went to Corsica, to Nice, to Marseille, and then back to Rome. And then back across the pond and came back home and now I'm back at work. So all in all, a pretty nice little week-long vacation for me. Got a nice little tan and I'm very happy to be reporting back to duty on the podcast with Alex. Alex, how are you doing? Well, I've been lonely. Uh, I've held the fort down, um, reluctantly, of course. But it's okay because, you know, I'd like everyone to know how good of a friend you are. Although I, I obviously did not get to go with you on your family trip across Europe. You did get me a Milan scarf, so I'm really hype about that. Of course, that's going to be in the post in the coming days. It was really, it was honestly, the San Siro is pretty staggering. I mean, it seats sixty thousand, I believe, and I mean, it wasn't the pitch wasn't in, unfortunately, while we were in there. But we did, I did get to see both uh, AC Milan and Inter locker rooms. Interestingly enough, the Milan, I don't know if if you haven't seen the photos that we posted, uh, go check out our Twitter or Facebook because I put them up there. The Milan locker room, I mean, they're both the same size, but Milan have like cushioned seats and Inter just have like a white circular bench that kind of goes around the whole locker room. So we know who is like the favorite child of the city of Milan. (laughs) Well, they're both, I mean, historically they're giants, right? Yeah, in the in the museum in the San Siro or just outside the San Siro is super cool. There were all kinds of cool jerseys of famous players who've played there. Saw, so, you know, Ronaldinho. I mean, there there's countless. And I also put those pictures up on our Twitter. So go check those out too. Really, really awesome stuff. Um, but enough about some clubs in Italy that none of our listeners really care about when it get when you get down to it. We're here to talk about Everton, and there has been plenty of Plenty of stuff going on uh, for the Blues despite the summer break. We've had a very busy uh, 10 or so day window here. A lot of rumors swirling around and we're going to get into uh, not so much transfer rumors today. We'll probably get into more of that next week, but we do have actually breaking today the exciting news that Leighton Baines has agreed to a one-year contract extension Sort of expected, but nonetheless, very reassuring to know that the, I guess, skipper now, technically, one of the only ones left of the old guard uh, holding down the fort, and we'll have him backing up Luca Dean for another year. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. You know, we we knew that he was offered the contract. We've just been holding our breath, waiting for him to officially accept it, uh, which I think everyone down, like deep down inside, kind of felt pretty positively about it. But, you know, Jags already left. And so that left Baines and and we couldn't go without him, in my opinion. As Marcus Silva said in the press today, Baines still performs at a very high level. If Baines is plugged in at left back, no matter what the circumstance, I feel confident regardless. And so I think it'll be really important. I'm glad, you know, he gets to make his money for another year, at least with Everton. And, and he'll help keep the boys in shape in terms of in, in terms of attitude and, and 
culture and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's really big for that to to kind of keep, you know, the old guard is not altogether all that important, but there are some core components of being a blue that I think Leighton Baines embodies and understands better than a lot of the players who may not have been here as long. He's a blue at heart. He loves the club. And I think that's ultimately what led to him choosing to agree to the extension, because I'm sure that he had probably some pretty lucrative offers coming from whether MLS or some other leagues um, where he would definitely get more playing time. So I think he just, I think he's just happy being in Liverpool and being an Everton player. And that's just very reassuring to know that we'll have him in the locker room and on the bench and probably, I mean, I'm sure he'll get several games and God forbid a Luka Dean injury. Like you said, it still feels really nice to know that we'll have the rock solid uh, quality of Leighton Beans to back him up. Yeah. And you know, James, I think it's just my emotional sp- side speaking, but I, I really hope that Baines sees a little bit more of the pitch this season than he did last season in whatever capacity that may be, right? Maybe uh, maybe we don't get knocked out of of the League Cup or the FA Cup by you know opponents a couple notches down, a couple pegs down in the totem pole, and, and, and we have a couple extra to play. But it's just nice to see him out there playing. It, it just felt kind of odd. Obviously, Luca Dean, player of the season, fully deserves it, but... Uh, either way, it's really exciting. And speaking of additions, or maybe I guess Baines was more so of a, a retention, but we have appointed officially a new assistant manager. This is somewhat old news, but a week and a half ago or so, Luis Boamorte was appointed our assistant manager. Now he worked with Marco Silva at Sporting and there was actually like a bit of a, uh, I'm kind of unclear about the details, but I guess when he played in the Premier League, he played for who? Arsenal, West Ham, Fulham? Yeah, Arsenal, West Ham, Fulham, um, and Southampton as well. Right. So apparently at some point in time when he played in the Premier League, Big Dunk was also an active Everton player. And I guess he accused Big Dunk of some sort of racial slur or or something and so people were saying it might be pretty interesting to see how that kind of plays out at the club, both of them being assistant managers. What do you think about the move in general? It's hard. I don't know much about him. He hasn't been off of the pitch as a player for very long. Um, but at face value, if Mark, Marcel Brands and Marco Silva trust him at this point, they get uh, they get a clean slate and they, they can do no wrong in my eyes. Supposedly, and, and this is just referencing an article from Royal Blue Mersey to shed some context on the incident itself. It was in a fourth round FA Cup game uh, in 2003-2004. Boa Morte claimed that Duncan Ferguson had racially abused him. Um, he called him a supposedly black bleep, which I don't know exactly what that was. Obviously, that, if true, would have been unacceptable and abhorrent in every capacity. But supposedly Fulham filed a formal complaint. Um, the FA spoke to Duncan Ferguson and eventually decided that there wasn't actually enough evidence to formally bring charges, which of course, if it was an offhand remark made on the pitch with, even if there are cameras there, um, which there probably weren't, or it's, you know recording the specific incident, um, it would have been very hard to prove it either way. Regardless, it does kind of present an interesting conundrum whether they... Presumably, they're both adults and they can kind of move on from it. But it did seem that at the time, Bo Morte was very upset, as he's right to be if it did in fact happen. Um, so hopefully, they can put that behind him and move forward for the good of the club. 
And yeah, face value, it just seems like a, a good move all around. Um, replacing, of course, Jao Pedro Souza, who left about a month ago. And now we have an actual full staff, I believe. So that's always positive. Yeah. And you know, something else that was interesting and kind of stuck out to me when trying to learn a little bit, a little bit more about him is the fact that he just finished playing professionally in the 2012, 2013 season. So I guess about seven years ago. And then, and then you look at the fact that Marco Silva is only, I think like 42 ish, somewhere around there, low forties. And he probably only stopped playing, I think maybe about a decade ago. So it's honestly a very, very young coaching staff. Which is which is fine. I mean, there's there's something to be said for youth and and kind of maybe having a better feel for what it is like to be a player in the modern day. Whereas maybe that old school ment- mentality brought by guys like Duncan Ferguson, who also, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, hasn't been off the pitch all that long. I think it brings a different, a fresh point of view. Um, maybe some newer ideas. And and for me, I think just having younger. Uh, managers makes the staff more accessible and relatable to the players and can lead to, I think, only more positive things in the future. And hopefully, you know, he he's obviously he's qualified. We wouldn't have hired him if he wasn't. And so with that being said, there's there's not too much more we can speculate on. It really just comes down to once he's in the locker room, um, I, I, I fully trust the the staff that we have in place to do a very good job for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, you just you can't help but be really excited about it. And, you know, speaking of the upcoming season, the last bit of general news we have are the announcement of some preseason fixtures. So I'm not going to go into the full list, um, but some fixtures to note on July 19th. So exactly a month from today, we're playing Monaco away, which is super exciting. We will play Wigan five days thereafter. We've got a tournament which we don't know who's involved in the tournament or where it's going to be but that's the end of july so that'll be exciting and then lastly on august 3rd we have Werder bremen away against the mighty davy classen did you say july 3rd uh if i did i meant august 3rd okay regardless i mean that's what's most exciting for me about all that i mean some some high profile opponents the the davy classen derby set up very nicely um we are now like one month away from having Everton back in our lives, uh, back out on the pitch. So that just makes fills me with joy. It really has kind of just it's a very quick summer, quick turnaround, and I am just over the moon to see what we what further transfers we're able to complete and what the squad's looking like in in a few short weeks. Yeah, and you know one gripe I've had about preseason in the last couple of years is I felt that we have just and, and I'm putting this in air quotes, James. So please note that mentally. I just felt like we had too many air quote easy fixtures set up for preseason and we and we weren't tested like we should have been. Now, Werder Bremen did well in the Premier League, I mean, excuse me, in the Bundesliga last year, I'm pretty sure Monaco are definitely not the side they were a couple years ago. However, at face value, just just the name, just the name of the club, we know that they have quality players regardless of how they finish in the table last season. So I think it'll be a, a really positive preseason. The only thing I'm, I'm kind of weary about is the fact that we're playing all the matches away. Yeah, I agree. It, it is. I mean, I guess it's good to kind of get out of Liverpool and let the team travel a little bit. There are a couple of things that I'm a little disappointed with from 
specifically a business perspective. Oh, man. One, you look at the big clubs, quote unquote, again, an air quote, the big clubs who are playing like the International Champions Cup and they're coming to America and playing in the big, Michigan's big house and in front of sold out crowds. And really, I mean, those games are glorified preseason games. It's it's just a preseason game. But the marketing potential and the way that those those clubs are able to exploit the American market is something that Everton, of course, have failed to do for a long time. Um, and so that's, that's a little disappointing. And on top of that, the rumored DC United fixture has yet to be announced. And based on the evidence we've seen so far, it doesn't seem like it's on the cards. So from a marketing perspective, that's a little disappointing. But on the other hand, I believe a lot of the games are in Switzerland and, and will be all over the place in Europe. But speaking as someone who has just recently completed the transatlantic flight back and forth, it's pretty draining. And if you had told me when I was getting off the plane either direction that I had to go and then play a game of soccer, uh, I would have not really been in any right state to do it. And I think, you know, really you kind of want to ease into things with the preseason. Obviously, the players are working very hard and training. But when it comes to the games, it's all just kind of about acclimating yourself, getting a feel for the new players in the squad, developing chemistry. And I think while the, the overseas games offer a huge marketing opportunity, it may not be what's best for the squad itself. And in, in that regard, I'm kind of encouraged by the decision that we've made to, to stay uh, within Europe. Listen, I'm going to pout no matter what, because I've been banking on the fact that they were coming to DC United and I'd make a about a four hour trip, stay with some friends and watch them play up close and personal. But nonetheless, you know, as you said, I think for for what preseason is intended to be, I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty smart fixture list. Obviously, we're, we're still wondering who the tournament is with at the end of July. But I, ha- I have a sneaky suspicion it'll be against some pretty solid opponents. And so, you know, the next, the next piece to the summer and getting ready for the, for the preseason fixtures is simply getting our business done as early as possible, which Brands and Silva have both said is their goal. So... That seems like a perfect time to transition into official Everton business transfer matters to this point. So, James, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, so I guess the least recent of the events would be the finalization of John Joe Kenny's season-long loan move to Schalke uh, 04 in the Bundesliga. Seemed like he wasn't content with remaining backup to Seamus Coleman for another season. He wants the game time, which totally understand that from his perspective a young player with a bright future he's a blue at heart a boyhood blue the club means the world to him but he just he couldn't accept playing sporadically for another year the bundesliga has shown that it's a very good ground for young english players to go and prove themselves and they've they've had a quite successful uh, little run in the last several years so it seems like a very positive move for Kenny. Hopefully he, and it seems, and, and from what I understand, it's a position that Schalke desperately needed um, to fulfill. So hopefully he slots right in, has an unbelievable year for them developing. And um, he comes back to us a much improved player and is able to, at that point, I mean, with the departure of John Joe Kenny leaves us very thin at right back with Mason Holgate. You can make an argument. We've had that discussion on prior episodes of the pod, whether he could, 
He can fit in whether that's his true position or not, yada, yada, yada. I still think that Kenny's departure indicates that we are looking in, in the market for another right back to either challenge Seamus Coleman or replace Seamus Coleman. And for me, that's that's a good thing. But I still think John Joe Kenny does have a future at the club. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the move itself just because Schalke are a really good club. They've been working well with youth players, as you've said. Uh, shout out Weston McKinney for, obviously, the American Toffee Podcast, All-American listeners. So so with, with John Joe Kenny and Weston McKinney at Schalke, I'm going to have to officially declare my allegiance. Nonetheless, I think that this year is his chance. This is the time in which he can actually force the conversation, you know, Marco Silva, Marcel Brands, and show them, hey, I am the up-and-coming starting right back at Everton. Uh, now, in, in terms of in terms of purchasing a right back or someone to push Seamus Coleman this season, most people seem to be of the under the same impression you are, and I think that's probably the case. The only thing I'll say is I'm going to assume that they're not going to pull the trigger unless it's a really good deal because I don't see them blowing a ton of cash on a fullback, specifically a right back, when, in my opinion, Seamus Coleman is definitely still fine for this upcoming season as a starter. And furthermore, you know, John Joe Kenny is out there again. On He's going to be on loan at Schalke at, at a point in which he can really prove himself. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do at right back, as you said, but I'm very hopeful for his loan move and I'll be following closely. Yeah, I'm also just as excited as you. And if you think about it, you know, he's gone for a year, kind of we'll be following it, but kind of out of sight, out of mind in a way. And then if he has a really good run and is very successful and next summer, we're looking at what essentially amounts to like a new signing almost where he's coming back with a year under his belt, further experience, further improved. And then we have that much more depth in our squad. And and for me, that's just a really really encouraging to think about. And, and I'm very much looking forward to to seeing really watching more of the Bundesliga this season, because I, I haven't admittedly watched too, too much of it in the past, caught an odd game here or there, watch Bayern Munich, of course, when they, when they play uh, Dortmund, but it will be nice to, to, yeah, that American connection with Weston McKinney, like you said, is really good. So um, maybe have to get a Jersey or something like that. Ooh, pull the trigger. And I like their jerseys because, of course, they're blue. And they're actually quite similar. I believe they have Umber as a sponsor. So um, they actually are quite similar to the Everton kits, which we have yet to see, which <laughs> is still really kind of irking me that we have yet to unveil those. But supposedly that will be coming uh, in the coming days. Um, but but moving on now, another bit of news that I believe was announced today or yesterday. Today, yep. The departure of Nikola Vlasic to CSK Moscow for a rumored 14 million. And this was kind of on the cards as well. He had come out in public and made some negative statements over the course of the season about Sam Allardyce, which were echoed by many Evertonians. We were all very frustrated with the fact that he wasn't able to get on the pitch at all to even prove himself. Was never going to be a Sam Allardyce player, but now he is no longer even an Everton player. For 14 million, I mean, it's sad to see him go, but we still made a profit and for me, that's just kind of the way it goes, and it's more more players out the door. Unfortunately, he's not quite like the dead weight that we really need to move on, but he is money now that we can spend and uh, invest elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it was it was understood that it was going to happen. Unfortunately, it always I always kind of sensed that there was somewhat of a, a bad attitude there, only based on 
his constant comments and the fact that his sister would go on like social media and, and tweet stuff like, I don't understand why Nicola isn't starting and all this other stuff, you know, and that was early on in his Everton, very well, short Everton career. So is it a huge loss? I don't think so. Is it going to be a pretty solid player? Probably. But I think that kind of further highlights the fact that, you know, we are going to need to sign some sort of attacking midfield depth. Because unfortunately, I've been holding on to the hope, James, but I think this last year kind of proved it. I don't I don't think Kieran Dowell is ever going to make that step up, at least for, for Everton and what we need. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, maybe, you know, does Marco Silva see Bernard as, as a possible as possible depth at attacking midfield, that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree with the Kieran Dowell sentiment, unfortunately, although I'm not as, you know, my hope hasn't completely been been removed yet. I still hold out the tiniest glimmer that maybe there's a chance that that there's a scenario where where he can come in. And maybe that's the whole point of this move is to now, Kieran Dowell has a very clear space in the squad for the time being, barring, barring additional signings. And the Vlasic thing, like a lot of other players in the squad, I mean, his signing in the first place was very bizarre because we signed him like right after we had played Hodrick split in the Europa league. And it was kind of just out of nowhere. We're like, Oh yeah, we just played you. So we're going to buy one of your best young prospects. And he was never really able to assert himself into the team. And then of course the managerial changes, he was, he was clearly a favorite of, of Walsh and Kuman, but with the change to Sam Allardyce, it was, it was clear that he had been alienated. He was very frustrated. And I, it just seemed like at that point the bridge had been burned and there was really no coming back from it. And so at that point, I think it's best for all parties to just say, all right, we move on. Again, we make, uh, I think we bought them for around 10. Yes. So four, 4 million profit. Hard to complain. Like even though it was by all accounts a complete failure at Everton, we still managed to make a profit, which you can't say about a lot of the other players that we're trying to get rid of who we certainly will not be making a profit on. Yeah, the key word there is trying, but let's hope they try really hard and are successful in getting rid of a lot of these players. And lastly, technically it's a rumor, but it's being reported across the board. And this is the big one, James. Today, I'm ready. it is being said that Andre Gomez, or or let me rephrase that, Everton and Barcelona have an agreement over Andre Gomez for about 22 mil, potentially rising to 31 based on add-ons depending on I guess performance and that sort of thing. It'll be announced tomorrow officially. I'm waiting with bated breath for the announcement because I will be running around. Might take my pants off, run around my office just screaming, I love you, Andre. Um I believe the 31 max would be when he wins the ball on door for Everton, <laughs> um, which is <laughs> kind of inevitable. But it's been mentioned everywhere. But I mean the fact that he had that clause in his Barcelona contract that should he be shortlisted for the ball on door that there would be additional compensation due speaks to the potential that he still, I think has as a player. And we all saw it. We've all seen it in spurts. This was the signing that I think everyone, as soon as he had kind of gotten to the groove at Everton said, this needs to get done, get the deal done. Brands and Marco Silva were saying mid season, we want him to stay. He had kind of played his cards close to the chest, close to the vest, whatever wanted to, um, kind of obviously explore his options. There were numerous rumors being thrown around. And what's most encouraging about this is the $22 million price or million pound rather price tag, because there were rumors floating that it was going to go up to as high as 30. I think that's what Barcelona wanted. And 
for Marcel to talk him down to 22, just unbelievable bit of business and just shows just again, another check mark for Marcel brands, another tally of brilliant business done. And the raid on Barcelona continues in long may it rain. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I said this on Twitter, gotten into an argument with some bonehead, but I'll say it again. I personally was surprised that we were able to land him on loan last season to begin with because he is that caliber of player. And I'm not saying that Luca Dean is not because he is, but you know, as you, you, you well know, James, different people are in different situations, contractually, mentally, physically. And at that point, I think that it was more surprising to see Gomez being willing to come on loan to Everton specifically and to watch him, you know, work to become fit for like three, four months and then stick it in. And that sounds terrible. Uh, get stuck in. <laughs> sounds great. Andre Gomez, stick it in. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of the fan base probably <laughs> yes. is fine with that anyway. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nonetheless, to see him get stuck in and play over, I think, over 20 matches, something like 25 matches for the club, you know, you realize real quick that he is only going to be better next season. I like, I can't imagine how, how much better he's going to be next season with a full preseason. He understands the system. He understands the players around him better. And so it's going to be super exciting. And I really think that that part right there on top of the fact that, as you said, 22 million pounds is ridiculous business. He might be one of the most important signings we we make this summer, if not the most. Yeah, to have him on a permanent basis is really reassuring. I'm hoping that it's a five-year deal, maybe a four-year deal, whatever. But it, at the same time, it, it isn't a new signing. It's just retaining a retention similar to uh, the Leighton Bain situation. Where we're just retaining what we already kind of had, although it was very much a question mark. And what I like most about Andre Gomez, besides his unbelievable hair, fantastic good looks, brilliant passing ability, dribbling ability, anything on the pitch was how well he embodied the club and embraced the club ethos off of the pitch, doing the hugathon, constantly posting, you know, being involved in the community, getting involved. And I think that aspect of the club may have been what really drove him to want to sign for Everton because we know how much of a hard time he had at Barcelona, how the fans really got on his back and to be embraced and loved the way he is amongst this fan base I think really spoke to him, I'm sure, as a player who, you know, you want to be well-liked. And and I think we as Evertonians, of course, we all love him. We're really glad, <laughs> barring a catastrophe, to have him here. And so it's just, it's so wholesome and it just makes me like warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> that makes two of us, James. So let's wrap things up today. Talking about inter- international duty, we've got... The Copa America going on for South American countries. Uh, The Gold Cup started for North and Central America. AFCON is happening this summer as well. So Mina, Yeri Mina started or has been starting for Colombia, actually started tonight in their 1-0 win. Uh, And he actually started the other day against Argentina in which Colombia beat Argentina with Messi 2-0. Yep. All positive things. Mina... I mean, it's really awesome to see our players succeeding on the international stage, becoming presumably a pretty big celebrity in Colombia. What's frustrating for me is that he doesn't seem to, or he has yet to, I should say, yet to translate his success with his international uh, 
an international team into club success. Of course, much of that was due to his extensive injury history over the last year. But this can only bode well for him coming back and being an Everton player. With the departure of Kurt Zuma and his future, pretty much radio silence on that front for Zuma coming back. It's kind of assumed at this point that Mina is going to fill in for that spot and be the starting center back. And for me, I think he has a ton of potential. Obviously, what was seen in him to go to Barcelona in the first place, massive and dominating Lionel Messi, best player in the world. So, Yeri Mina, uh, put him on the ball and door shortlist. We're going to have all kinds of players on the shortlist coming up pretty soon. Hey, Besic did that five years ago. You're late, buddy. That's a good point. That's a, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> I'm full of James. <laughs> and Besic is, uh, I guess, Besic is probably on his way out too, so... Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe Messi uh, going as Messi on the international stage isn't the best indicator of uh, club success, but nonetheless, really good. And I, I still am optimistic that if he can stay healthy, he's a big boy, got a lot of long limbs, so there's a lot, a lot of potential for injury. But if he can stay healthy, having been in the Premier League and acclimated to England for a year, I think he's going to be raring and ready to go uh, coming come the new season. And you know, I'm really looking forward to the battle between him and Mason Holgate for that other kind of first center back spot, assuming they're not aiming to purchase someone specifically for a starting spot alongside Michael Keane, because, and, and don't crucify me here, but I actually do legitimately believe that himself and Mason Holgate are probably around the same level currently only based on the small sample size we've seen of Yuri Mina. And so I think that'll be very positive for both of them. Just based on their performances for Everton, and you can take into account as also Holgate's performances at West Brom. I mean, I still think Yerry Mean is probably a far superior player. I don't think there's any club in their right mind that's going to pay thirty million for Mason Holgate at this point. Says you, but I, but I still think I kind of agree with the sentiment that they are both still competing for that spot. And what's interesting is that they are very different players. Obviously, Mason Holgate possesses a lot more probably on the ball skill. And he's a faster player, but Mina, bigger, more brawly physical presence, way better in the air, absolute unit. And so <laughs> depending on the game and depending on what Marco Silva is looking for from that second center back position, I think it will be a bit of interesting competition. All right. Agree to disagree. But nonetheless, Richarlison has been starting for Brazil in the Copa America, which is ridiculous to think. 22 years old, starting for Brazil but he plays for Everton, right? Like let that sink in. I said that on, on Reddit, like exactly, but let that sink in. That's insane. Either way. Uh, he scored a goal or two thus far, but he played last night and he got subbed at halftime for, I guess, a possible thigh injury. Yeah. And we were actually both watching the first half of that game. I happened to fall asleep um, right around halftime, but, Brazil was kind of all out of sorts. They weren't really clicking all that well. And Richarlison really didn't make much of an impact. Regardless, like you said, to have one of our players starting for top two, top three uh, international team in the world is amazing to like utter that sentence in t- into the into the void. It's, in- it's really awesome. He's an unbelievable talent. Paul Merson... Suck it, basically. <laughs> like, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. This kid is special, and I hope he stays for years to come because I just love him. 
I think that that clip of him just sauteing David Neris and <laughs> and cooking him up real nice. That's going to be like a, a constant loop in my mind and my dreams every night until the season starts. And rightfully so, James, rightfully so. Hopefully he's talking his buddy David Neres into coming to Everton, but I guess that can be a more in-depth conversation about a week from now. Lastly, we have Henry Onyakuru, who is another huge question mark in terms of in relation to kind of Nikola Vlasic and you can surely lump Lookman in there, but uh, Henry Onyakuru was called up for Nigeria for AFCON. And if you're not familiar with, with the whole work permit thing, the reason why he hasn't joined Everton um, yet is because he hasn't been able to get a work permit for England. But the issue has been that he got snubbed last summer uh, to play with Nigeria and based on where Nigeria ranks in the world as a country in soccer, he has to play a far larger amount of games with Nigeria than, than someone, you know, than Richarlison would have to for Brazil in order to qualify for the work permit. So he could very well actually earn a work permit to my very limited knowledge base, James, based on the AFCON this summer. Which would be really exciting. I still think that he could be. Uh, I, I still think he has a really bright future. Whether or not that future is at Everton, I still think, like you said, he kind of falls into that Nikola Vlasic type of mold where he was a young player we signed under a previous regime. How much does the current regime rate him? Slash, how much does he really fit? Slash, want to even end up at Everton in the first place? I believe that he fits the profile of player that we want and that we need. And if he can get the work permit, I'd be I'd be totally willing to give him a go because now that position's kind of looking sort of thin, especially on the right, barring any major signings, which I do think we'll have some. But yeah, kind of rambling here. I do hope he gets the work permit, and I just want to see him play for Everton. That's what it comes down to. You and everyone else, so I, I hope it does work out. But I'll be following to see if he's getting those minutes, preferably the starts with Nigeria, and he surely could. I think the last bit of bit of news for us, James, will end on a on a high note for sure. No matter what, our very own Gilfy Thor Sigurdsson got married this week. Yeah, big congratulations! Of course, Gilfy being a regular listener to the pod, um, congratulations to him and his wife. All the best on their honeymoon. I'm sure they're going on a magnificent vacation. Um, his chiseled Thor body rocking in the sun, doing whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the heck they're up to, but um, all the best and, and a huge congratulations to them. And it, it is a, a nice, wholesome uh, ending to this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.